The title of my message today is I Believe in the Resurrection. Have you ever met somebody that believed something weird? Okay, I've met a couple people who believe some weird things. And by weird, I mean like untrue, hard to substantiate, strange, off the wall. Okay, that kind of stuff. There are people, even now, but there were lots of people back then who had a hard time believing that Jesus would actually rise from the dead. And so... When we talk about Easter, I think it's important that we talk about why we believe in the resurrection. I want to give you five quick things. They're not my points. They're just like five appetizers, okay, Uh, before the meal today. Five quick things about the resurrection that I think are important as we go into this message. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes today, Jesus Christ himself talked about his resurrection, He did so on repeated occasions. So if we are to believe 99% of everything else he said about how we could come to the Father through him, how he is the way, the truth, and the life, if we're to believe the words of Christ while he was here on earth, we're to believe all of them. Can I get a loud amen? amen? Amen. Both his enemies and his followers were told to expect his resurrection. And so there are lots of people um, who had a problem believing it then, and there are even some today who would question it. Those who sought to smother his teaching, they took elaborate steps, listen to me, to be able to stop the possibility or counter the claim of his resurrection, including placing guards outside of his tomb in order to make sure that the disciples didn't pull one over on them, steal the body, snatch the body in the middle of the night. So Jesus Christ himself talked about his own resurrection. The second thing is you've got three names listed there, and there are more than that, but these are three really important names to consider when we talk about the resurrection, because there was a skeptical disciple named Thomas. You may have heard about doubting Thomas. You may have met a doubting Thomas or Thomasina, I guess, would be the female version of that. Uh, Someone who doubted. And Thomas doubted, but he was convinced after Jesus rose from the dead and showed himself to Thomas. This James that's mentioned there, the second name, is actually Jesus' biological brother who the Bible says did not believe, was not a believer in Jesus Christ as the Son of God until after his resurrection. His own brother. How many of you have a brother who didn't believe something you told them? (laughs) I have one like that. And then the third person is Saul, or another name that we know him as would be Paul. And I have a strong inkling that he would not have ever become the Apostle Paul and been the person, the truly the world changer and one of the anchors of the church had he not had an experience, the Bible says clearly, with the risen Lord, with the post-resurrection bodily form Jesus Christ was in. So the third thing is it took this ragtag bunch of people who were the disciples. And when I say ragtag, I mean like they were a crazy bunch 
who uh, fought about who was first and who's going to be last and uh, all the things, even had their mom get involved in trying to settle the argument, went from a terrified group of people to those who would be counted as fearless. In fact, we know that Peter denied Christ on the night of his crucifixion and his trial and those things that he denied him three times. But then somehow, within just a few days' time, he has now become this fearless leader in the body of Christ that is starting to grow. It's all because of the resurrection. The fourth thing is, if the Romans really wanted to eradicate Jesus' teaching once for all, they would have only had to drag out his dead body. Yet they never could find it. They never could produce the dead body. So where is it? If the disciples were these fabricators, these false, um, you know, uh, people who spoke this falsity, then there would have to be a dead body to back up what the Romans were saying. Instead, they went the hard way. And here's the deal. The disciples could have just said, well, even though the body is no longer here, he's spiritually risen from the grave. Could have talked about a spiritual aspect of resurrection, but instead they went all in and they said, no, 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 no. It's not just that he went and joined the father. It's that his body has life in it again and he is here on the earth. And the Bible says that he spent 40 days with his disciples and with followers showing many proofs. There's an amazing, amazing story in the gospels about what probably the heading in your Bible would say is the road to Emmaus, where two of his disciples are walking and Jesus joins them. And they don't realize that it's Jesus, and this is post-resurrection. And the Bible says that Jesus began to explain the scripture to them, and then all of a sudden, their mind and their eyes were opened, and they were like, whoa, Jesus, is this you? Is this really you? The last thing is this. There are non-Christian sources that confirm this resurrection. I don't know if you've ever met a Muslim person in your life. I know that I have. And they have a book that they call Holy. It is the Quran. Did you know, many Muslims actually don't realize this, but did you know that the Quran actually speaks in the positive of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ and his unique power to raise the dead? So there are non-Christian sources, the Quran coming a long time ago as well, that back up this claim of resurrection. So as we jump into the message today, I think it's really important that we think about these things that involve Jesus' resurrection. About 300 years after Jesus Christ raised from the dead, there was what we consider, and if you're a student of history, you would know this, the Roman Empire. There was an emperor of that empire, and his name was Constantine. So this is about 300 years after Christ's life, death, and resurrection that Constantine takes over uh, the, the empire of Rome, uh, what we would call Roman Empire. It was more than the city of Rome. It was many different regions. Constantine became a believer by all accounts. And I'm going to give you a little history lesson because I love history, Okay. I don't know if you love history, but stick with me for just a second. Constantine, the Roman emperor, 
got saved. He became a believer in Jesus Christ. And there's a very interesting story that Eusebius tells, uh, who's also mentioned in our scriptures, tells about Constantine, that he was getting ready for a battle and he saw the image of a cross in the sky in front of the sun, over the sun. Then in a dream, Jesus Christ appears to him and speaks to him. So he converts to Christianity. Well, this really messes up the people who were before him, who had ruled like Diocletian, who was another emperor immediately before him, who was penalizing all of those who said that they were Christians and believers in one God, because you know what? They're missing out on the tax money from all of the Roman gods who were going to be served. So they were upset about it and said, we don't want this revolutionary religion. And so they put people in jail and they did all sorts of things to punish them. Then Constantine has this moment of revelation and becomes a believer by all accounts. And there's this time in history where the early church was coming together that people were coming up with belief statements. We just sang in worship this morning. That we believe this, this, and this. We talk about a hope, a blessed hope in the future. The only reason you have hope for a future is not because, or not only because, Jesus died on a cross, but it's also because he rose from the dead. It is the finished work of Jesus Christ that saves us and forgives us of our sin while he hung on the cross. He took the punishment that you deserve. But him rising from the dead and defeating death proves he is Lord over all and gives us this great assurance that we will be together with him. There's more to this life than just this place here and now. Amen? So there's no good news without the resurrection. But they were coming up with these doctrinal statements. In those days, there were people that were coming together that were saying, okay, we as a church believe this. Okay, If you go to the Baptist church down the street, you'll see they have a belief statement. If you go to an Orthodox church or a Lutheran church, you'll see they have a belief statement. If you go to our website, which is celebratepeople.org, you'll find our belief statement. We align with the Assemblies of God doctrine. We say we believe that the scriptures are inspired. God didn't write them with his own hand. He used you and I, people like you and I, to be inspired and to write down the stories that are in the Bible. We believe in one true God, but in a triune God which is God in three persons, Father, Spirit, and Son. So all of those things are mentioned there. In those days, there was this guy, Anathasis, who decided to say he didn't believe that Jesus was really divine. And he was, for lack of a better term, he was promoting this thought throughout many churches. And Constantine had a real problem with that. So he called together the leaders of many churches in a place called Nicaea. And he decided that they would get together, brainstorm throughout the scripture and write down the things that they believe. It's called the Nicene Creed. And I want to read it to you. You may be familiar based on your background. It says this. It was written around the year 325. It says, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. Can I just stop and tell you this? 
if you don't believe in creation, there is no reason to believe in salvation. There's a problem in today's culture when we all we talk about is evolution or evolving. No, there is a God who created the heavens and the earth, who created and designed you with a purpose in order for you to live and serve out for his pleasure in this life. So we've got to understand creation is the cornerstone of our belief. Maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. They put those words in there because there was some thought that maybe this wasn't true. And they said, let's put this down in writing so everybody could use this as a memorization tool. And they use it in services even still today all over the world every week that they worship. The only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages... God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, and consubstantial, okay, with the Father. In other words, he rules and reigns as God the Father does. He is divine. Through him, all things were made. You'll notice that a lot of this is direct quotations from scriptures you've heard. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became a man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and he was buried and he rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated, is All of these are present words. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. He goes on to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father. Who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. Who has spoken through the prophets. It finishes by stating belief in forgiveness of sins through Christ. And the last statement of the creed says this. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and life in the world to come. This was the statement that was produced by these leaders based on scriptural evidence. It's something that we still can stand on and hold true to today. There was this understanding back then that maybe this is all that life is. And there still exists that today. Maybe this is all that there is. But the Bible says, and we share this at funerals, the Bible says that those who are believers in Jesus Christ have a hope that's deeper and far wider than anything else. The hope is that we will join those who have gone before us. We'll be with them in eternity with our Lord and Savior. And the only way this is possible is if Jesus defeated death and rose from the grave. So Easter is a time for us to reflect on his love and on the hope that we have for a future. This is good news. Amen. And it's worth sharing. We were talking with our kids last night. We try to do some holiday activities around each holiday, just like any other family would do. So we were dying Easter eggs last night. I forgot how bad they stink. 
boiled eggs. And then the vinegar and the... Ah, anyway, we were dying Easter eggs and we were talking through the Easter story. We talked through the Christmas story. How many of you were ever impatient while somebody read the Christmas story and you were waiting with bated breath to try to get to the presents, right? I thought about that this week and how selfish we've turned Christmas into something for ourselves. Uh, we're all guilty of that. Whereas Easter comes and goes and we talk about an Easter bunny that lays eggs and not live baby. I don't, there's a bunch of weird stuff, okay? There's just weird um, looking at the history of it. But that all to say, if we truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then that's good news for us to share with others. And it's great news for us to remind ourselves and our children and our grandchildren of that God's only begotten son came to this world. He took on flesh. You've got to understand, I have to tell you this. Today in our world, people worship children. There's one category of people that just worship the ground their kids walk on. Then there's a whole nother group of people, and those are you know, people that I would say um, maybe believe in abortion and things like that, that have no value towards human life. But I'm here to tell you that God in his goodness saw fit to send himself to the earth in a day and time, in the Roman days, if it was a female child, she was most likely discarded. If it was not a male who could grow up, then they would discard the female. In fact, in the, the history or historical records, in the ruins in Rome, you can find, this is a disturbing thing to talk about, but you can find where they actually had sewer pipes that had been clogged by tiny bones of all the babies that had been discarded and gotten rid of. They had no value for that human life except for what it could produce for them. God in his crazy goodness decided that he would take on flesh and humiliate himself and become one of us, a lowly child, in order to be raised in this world, to live a sinless life, to die a gruesome death, in order to be raised to life again, in order so that we could come and be part of his family. It was a wild story then, and it's a wild story now. It takes faith to believe that God would love us that much. The reason why I brought up the eggs a moment ago is we tend to get off track with the holidays that we celebrate and start doing a whole bunch of other stuff. And I Googled this stuff. Apparently, the Germans in the 13th century brought over some weird bunny that was birthing eggs or something, and the kids used to put a nest together for them to put the eggs in I don't know. I don't know how we got here. But I'm telling you this. The origin story is that God loves humanity. And he came to visit us, to live with us, to die as one of us, but to raise himself to life again in order to give us hope for a future. Isn't that good? It's good, amen? That important message still remains powerful today. And many people look at the resurrection of Jesus just as a nice ending to the gospel story. 
But it's not just what happens next. It fulfills the story of creation and redemption all the way through. Towards the end of Luke's account in the early church, the book of Acts, you can read in Acts chapter 23 verse 6, Paul says that he is being imprisoned and that he is on trial because of the resurrection. Because, not just because he's told people that Jesus is a good guy, you should follow and do what he did, but because of the resurrection. Look at what it says in verse 6. It says, it is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I'm here on trial. We believe the resurrection, not only historically speaking, but also a coming resurrection. Look at me and listen. A resurrection of all people. You say, wait a second, is that heresy? No, Jesus actually talked about it. There's a good resurrection and there's a bad one. There's a resurrection, Jesus says, later in uh, the New Testament, in John, it's recorded there and in other places. Jesus says that there will be a resurrection for those who are going to be with God eternally and a resurrection for those who will be judged eternally. So we believe not only in the resurrection of Jesus in history, but also that in some future day, we will be resurrected, some to eternal life and some to eternal judgment and death. That's found in John chapter 5, verse 29, Jesus speaking. So number one today, I believe in the resurrection because Jesus raised several people from the dead during his earthly ministry. This is interesting What's the first person you think of that Jesus raised from the dead? Just shout out a name. Lazarus. Everybody knows it. But Jesus did raise others from the dead. In fact, there are kind of interesting stories about how some thought that their daughter was just sleeping, but Jesus says, no, she's not sleeping. She's alive again. The most prominent story, though, that we know is of Lazarus. Go with me to John chapter 11. We'll read a few verses there. John chapter 11, verse 23 says this. Jesus said to her, talking about Martha, he said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha says, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Look up at me and listen to me. Those who were believers in the God of Israel already had an understanding that there would come a day when there would be a resurrection. So Martha says, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And she knew this as a promise from the Old Testament. Jesus declares himself then to be the resurrection in verse 25. Jesus replies, he says to her, I am the resurrection. I love it. Listen, she says, yes, a day is coming that he'll come back to life. And Jesus says, that day is me. I'm here now to do a great work and to bring him back to life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, she says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus then goes to Lazarus' tomb and raised him from the dead. He'd been dead four days. The body stunk. It was decomposing already. Israel's hot, okay? Uh, Was not a pretty sight, I'm sure. 
but Jesus raised him from the dead and raised several others. That's why we can believe in the resurrection claim that Jesus himself raised from the dead. The resurrection of believers was part of the early preaching of the apostles. Look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 verse 1. Now, the day of Pentecost had just come. The Holy Spirit has been on these people. They're now going out to these different places to go and share and preach the gospel. They, they are coming together with these believing statements. And it says this in chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came up to them. And verse 2, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. People in the church were mad about it. Number two, I believe in the resurrection because the resurrection of Christ really happened. After his bodily resurrection, the Bible tells us that he appeared to Mary, then his disciples. He was seen by hundreds of people who were his witnesses over the course of 40 days that he lived on earth before he ascended into heaven. Look at what Acts chapter 1 verse 1 through 3 says. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Okay, This is Luke writing to his friend Theophilus. He's just finished the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And now he's writing the details in Acts. Verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he'd chosen. Verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Listen church. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we have redemption and salvation and assurance of eternal life. This is good. Romans chapter 4 verse 20 says this in speaking of Abraham. No belief, no unbelief, sorry, made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Verse 21 says he, he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Verse 22. This is why his faith was counted to him. As righteousness. But the words it was counted to him. Were not written for his sake alone. But for ours. It was counted to him righteousness. Because he believed. And it says it will be counted to us. Who believe in him. Who raised from the dead. Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Point number three, and there's only four. I believe in the resurrection because the resurrection demonstrates that Jesus defeated death. Paul connects the resurrection to our justification, to our being made right with God. That this was the final act in the story. He's not just saying that you're half saved by the cross and half saved by the resurrection. What he's saying is without the cross and the empty tomb, we are fully lost. And if Christ was not resurrected, it would mean that we as God's children have no justification, no right standing with God. Being forgiven is one thing, but being restored to new relationship like you were before is a whole nother thing. 
And so this is important that we understand what we believe and why we believe it. That there is an empty cross. Thank you, Jesus. And there is an empty tomb. And that gives us hope. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this in verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is garbage. And you are still stuck in your sins. Verse 18, then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. In other words, those who were believers like granny who really believed in Jesus, when they died, they're really just dead. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. If there's no resurrection for Jesus, then there's none for us. The fourth thing is this. I believe in the resurrection because the resurrection is proof of our salvation. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that salvation is through Christ alone. Amen? The resurrection, it's the outworking and proof of our salvation because death is the proof of our sin. Listen to me. The resurrection proves our salvation because death proves sin exists. The Bible says that through one man, sin entered, and through sin entered death. But then it gives us hope, and it says, but through one man comes new life, and through his resurrection, we have this assurance of new life with him. I'm excited. Put a smile on your face and wake up this morning. It's good. There's new life to be had. Amen? Sin has been conquered on the cross and death has been conquered in the empty grave. Death is not a destination and this world is not our current, it's not our home eternally the way that it is right now. The Bible says that God is going to do... Here's the coolest thing. I was talking to someone this morning about people who flip houses. Anybody ever flipped a house or bought a house that was flipped? Somebody, okay, anybody? Okay, a couple people. Great, so you, you get a little bit of the understanding. My girls love to watch, um, what's it called? Lo- love it or list it um, on the home shopping network, whatever it's called, HGTV. Okay, so here's the point of what I'm getting at. Restoration is hard work takes a long time. I don't have a whole lot of tools in my toolbox, but I do have a phone <laughs> that I can call a repairman for whatever I need. Jesus, God himself, from our very beginning, has been working to restore us, to bring us back to the place where we could have fellowship with him just like Adam and Eve did before they sinned, where we could be grafted into the family of God, where his promise could come true that through Abraham's seed, every person on the earth has the potential of being blessed if they accept salvation in him. It's good news. First Thessalonians chapter four says this, but we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are dead, okay? The Bible's nice, it says asleep. Not talking about Brother John who sleeps in church, okay? It's talking about 
those who are asleep. Do we have a brother, John? I just thought, shoot, I used the wrong name. Okay, um, not, not pointing anybody out this morning. Those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. My wife and I have walked through some difficult seasons in our life. Through a miscarriage, through a season of financial difficulty, through transitions in ministry, uh, through near-death experiences. You may remember back in, I guess it was 2016, 2017, Brighton almost died. She fell off of the second-story balcony at our apartment and could have died. Uh, God has taken us through, walked with us through some amazing things, amazing, terrifying, and amazing, wonderful And my wife and I always come back to the same statement, some variation of this statement. We just don't know how people do it without Christ. We don't know how they do it. And honestly, there are some days that even as believers, we have a hard time making it. Each one of us, we've all had moments where we say, God, where are you? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to kill me? What are you like? What is going on? Why aren't you here when I thought you would be at this point by now? But it says that we don't grieve as others do who have no hope. And I thank God for the hope that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 14 says this, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died or fallen asleep. Verse 18 says this, therefore encourage one another with these words. Let there be hope in the house of God today. That we have a hope for a future that doesn't involve the aches and pains of this world, the cancer, the things that uh, beset us, the temptations of this life. Any of those things, they will all pass away. But we will spend eternity with Jesus as a result of him rising from the dead. I want to read to you a scripture verse before we take communion here in just a moment. The last passage that I'll share with you today. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. And verse 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Thanks be to God who gives us victory. Now, there may be some of us who today are struggling for victory in a certain area of our mind, a certain area of our life. Maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a spiritual thing that you just are having a very hard time experiencing victory. I think the key to victory is thanking the victor. God says you don't have to do this on your own. But you've got an advocate. You've got a helper, amen, who can help you. Jesus rising from the dead proves that we will rise again. And that death is dead and Jesus Christ is victorious over all. He's victorious over the sin that besets us. He's victorious over the boss who stays mad at us. He's victorious over the bad grade we've gotten in the class. He's victorious over any of the struggles that we face. He's victorious over sickness. He's victorious over all things. And we need him today. 
So my question is, do you believe in the resurrection? If you do, then you've got something to celebrate. And more so, you've got something to share with others. So share it with others. It's about Jesus rising from the dead. Him walking out of the tomb, unscathed with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Saying, I've finally done it. I've redeemed humanity. And we've got this hope that we can share with others.